Welcome to Short Talks, a podcast for graduate school applicants. There's a lot to think about when applying to PhD programs, but we'll try to keep this short. Welcome to Short Talks, the official project short podcast. I'm Dr. Sofia Georgiadou. I'm originally from Greece. I came to the U.S. in 2007 as an international graduate student. I completed my master's and my PhD in marriage and family therapy at the University of Louisiana at Monroe. Um, And these days I serve as an assistant professor of family therapy at the University of Houston in Clear Lake at their master's in family therapy program. Today we have a fascinating panel discussion lined up for you. We'll be delving into a topic that's on the minds of many aspiring scholars on doing a master's before a PhD. Our panel features some brilliant PhD students who have navigated this path and are here to share their insights. Here with us today, we have Spatika Jaaram. She's a PhD student and Gates Cambridge Scholar in Neuroscience at Cambridge. She was previously a Felix Scholar at Oxford while pursuing her Master's of Science in Neuroscience. And she completed her integrated bachelor's and master's degrees from the Indian Institute of Science Education and Research in Biological Science. We also have Clara Stein. Clara is an Irish um, research council scholar and PhD researcher in the School of Psychology at University College Dublin in Ireland. Before her PhD, Clara completed a Master's of Science in Behavioral Neuroscience. In addition to conducting research on brain and cognitive functioning, Clara enjoys communicating science to general audiences via articles, blog posts, and social media. And she also volunteers with science outreach organizations to inspire students, especially those from underserved low-income communities, to consider a future in STEM and related fields. And I apologize, I wanted to say hi to Spatika, and um, I didn't get to do that, so Hi, Spatika. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, and hi, Clara. It's very nice to have you here with us. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Um, We also have here Lydia Rader. Um, Lydia completed her Master's of Science in Behavioral Genetics at King's College in London, and she's currently a PhD student in Behavioral Genetics and Neuroscience at the Institute for Behavioral Genetics at the University of Colorado in Boulder. Um, Lydia researches the genetic and environmental underpinnings of chronic pain and its relationships with psychopathology, brain structure, and substance use. In her free time, Lydia enjoys um, reading, playing piano, and traveling. Welcome, Lydia. Hi, thank you for having me. And um, we also have Hilary Hecht. Uh, Hillary is a fourth-year PhD candidate at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill in the Gilling School of Global Public Health, Department of Health Policy and Management. Previously, Hillary earned their Master's of Social Work degree from the University of Michigan, during which they published journal articles and textbook chapters. Their academic career research interests focus on organizational-level policies impacting access to care, particularly for multiply marginalized people. Hillary is building their dissertation regarding weight affirming care policies. Thank you for being with us, Hillary. Hi, this is Hillary. I'm glad to be here today. Thank you. Um, we also have here Emily Feldman. Emily graduated from DePaul University with her Master's of Science in Psychology in 2022. She's currently a second year clinical psychology PhD student at the University of North Texas, researching child sleep disparities and sociological predictors of sleep health. Hi, Emily. Hi, thank you for having me. Sure. Um, Our final two guests are um, Taylor Miller-Ensminger and Maria Diaz. Taylor is a PhD candidate in the Cellular and Molecular Biology program at the University of Pennsylvania. She's currently exploring the impact of viral infection on the male reproductive tract and sperm development. Before her PhD, Taylor completed her bachelor's and master's in bioinformatics at Loyola University, Chicago, where she studied the bacteriophage, 
E of the female urinary microbiome. I hope I pronounced this correctly. <laughs> Taylor is also the social media chair for the queer students in the biomedical sciences group at UPenn, LDBGS, and hopes to pursue a career in academia at a primarily undergraduate institution. Welcome, Taylor. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, finally, Maria Diaz uh, is a doctoral student in the social psychology program at Temple University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Maria's goal is to decrease the gap in the research literature regarding minorities and their coping mechanisms when faced with systemic concerns while advocating for underrepresented groups. Maria plans to become a professor and mentor future educators and clinicians. And we're so happy to have you here, Maria. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm going to get us started with our first question. Um, and that is, how can prospective PhD students determine whether a master's degree is the right path for them, given their academic and career goals? And what advice would you offer to those who are currently debating this decision? I'm going to um, get us started with Hilary's um, insight on this. Um. Choosing whether or not to do a master's degree is a really complicated, really personal question, depending on what's what's going on in your life, where what's going on in your career, um, what you're hoping to do with your career. Um, and if a PhD is your ultimate goal, really, if any graduate program is your ultimate goal, um, the advice that has stuck with me the most is, what jobs can you do um, with these credentials and what jobs do you absolutely need these specific degrees to do? So I really like to think about like the credential, the title of having the degree label, the MSW, the PhD after your name as distinct from what are the skill sets that come from those degrees. Mm -hmm. um, and if there's a, a different job path where you can build the skills that you're looking to build on the job and get paid while you're doing it, that might be a nice option. Um, if there's other non-degree granting ways, maybe cheaper ways to get specific skill sets, um, or if it's really a combination of both the, the credential, the title, and also the skill sets that you can only or, or best build in a degree granting program. Um, that's how I would consider whether or not those steps are, are necessary for your broader career goals um, and keep those career goals as your guiding decision maker for how do I get there? Um, I like uh, considering um, the different options, whether it's inside the academia or outside of the academia and how you can get that skills training um, done. Thank you, Hilary. Um, Maria, what do you think? I, I think Hillary definitely hit the nail on wanting to know whether you, you want to focus on academia versus like industry careers. And I also think like a master's, going for a master's before a PhD is a decision whether if you have enough research experience for the application process. Mm. So if you feel like you need more research experience during your master's can provide you that time to like build up that CV as needed. If your grades are not up to par as you would want it to be for an application, I think working through that master's can also help as a little springboard to kind of get you through there. Um, so if a student's also unsure if a PhD is the right route, but they still want to explore, let's say counseling or an industrial field, um, it can help them provide them that experience while still getting research experience. And then they can be like, no, I'm sure I want a PhD and certainly want an academic career, mm -hmm. which would help to like reinsure that. Yeah, absolutely. And it helps bridge the gap between, um, uh, as you're considering the different career options, if you really want to be a researcher or an educator, then deciding to go for that PhD makes sense. Thank you, Maria. Um, Lydia, what do you, what do you, what is your take on that? Uh, similar to what both of them said, um, I do think it's really important to consider what your long-term goals are. And something I will say is that 
a lot of PhD programs, they do offer a master's degree along the way while you are completing your PhD. Mm-hmm. And that can be a way to essentially get like a funded master's program that you don't have to pay out of pocket. Um, but one of the massive advantages of getting a master's prior to beginning your PhD is you can assess whether you really do want to go that path of research as well as get more research experience to actually get into the PhD programs you're interested in. Yeah, and um, you have some experience uh, uh, with graduate school in the in the UK, right? Yeah, I feel super lucky. I got to do my master's in London, which was just a really fun and enriching experience as well, because you got to be exposed to a lot of different cultures and be in a new place. And it was also a short flight away from a lot of European countries, which was a ton of fun. So I feel very lucky for that. Yeah, I I appreciate what you said about um, getting more experience in research and that could make you a stronger candidate than for a PhD program through your through your master's program. Um, I'm going to go to Emily next. Uh, Emily, what is your take on this question? Um, I think that um, in addition to what everyone else said, it's a like great way um, going into a master's program. It's a good way to just solidify and explore your interests. If you're not sure, taking different classes can really help um, explore those different areas if you're not sure exactly what type of um, PhD you're interested in, if there's different uh, fields or areas that you're considering. Additionally, I think that some people might not have strong letter writers for PhD applications coming out of undergrad. And that can be a really good thing that you can get out of a master's program, depending on how you built those relationships with your research advisors and professors and what opportunities you seek out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fostering those relationships in a master's program before you go into a PhD program, before you even consider applying to a PhD program, that can be really helpful. It can really set you up for success. Um, and um, I'm gonna finish this conversation up uh, for this question with Clara. Clara, what what do you think? Um, yeah, we've heard some great um, responses there, so I'll I'll keep it brief. I think I might come from a slightly different university kind of structural background where after my undergrad if you wanted to pursue a PhD in my university um, and in within my discipline you either had the option of doing a one plus three degree and I think that's what um, Lydia mentioned there sorry if I if I got that wrong of essentially you have the option of doing in that case a master's of literature or mastering out if you want so you have a master's along the way or you could do a one-year master's separately and then do the three-year PhD and and for me that option was a much better option because then I knew for a fact that after a year I would have my degree in the in my pocket you know I'd have that done and I had that year of breathing room as we just talked about to get those skills and, and get that experience and crucially for me as well I was able to um fund my master's self-funded but I knew that I wasn't wanting to sign up for a multiple year program without having that funding secured in advance so I actually applied for the PhD funding then at the very beginning of my master's and so by the end of the master's I knew was there going to be funding in place what offers did I have so I was able to make a more informed decision just around those um practicalities as well so I guess the advice here is to really look into your university structure and what are the entry requirements to get to that PhD stage yes um totally agree with that and I'm glad you brought up um the the funding um aspect of this and it can definitely be a determining factor um, for a lot of people looking to um graduate school and determining whether a master's program is for them thank you Clara um, I want to um, get us on with to the next question, and uh, that is, um, I'm wondering what are the key advantages of pursuing a master's degree before 
embarking on a PhD program. We kind of talked about that a little bit already, but are there specific fields or circumstances where you find that this is particularly beneficial? And I would like to hear from um, Espatika on this one. Hi, yeah. Um, so I think my research was in a very specific field where this was in fact beneficial. I work in neuroscience, which is an extremely interdisciplinary field. And no matter what sort of previous degree you come from, it's just so happened that neuroscience has become very evolved to the point where we need multiple skill sets to work on any given problem. And that's really where a master's degree would be fantastic. And that's what helped me as well. It provides you a really broad skill set. And a lot of the stuff I'm doing in my PhD are not things I may have done in my undergrad at all, but I may have picked up along the way during my master's degrees. Um, I just want to say one thing about what a master's degree really does is it gives you a flavor about what a PhD can be. And it really tells you whether this is something you see yourself doing long-term or not. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're unsure, definitely go for a master's degree. And um, I'm speaking from the perspective of an international student uh, from India who moved to the UK. So a master's degree here is actually quite useful because PhDs in Europe and the UK are quite short compared to the US where they're much longer. And a master's degree is also inbuilt into the US PhD system, which is not the case for what um, I see in STEM, at least within Europe. So in that context, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on kind of assessing the commitment. Um, uh, definitely a master's um, degree is less of a commitment than, uh, you know, finishing a PhD and writing a dissertation and doing lots of research. Um, so, yeah, definitely agree with you on that, Spatika. And thank you for offering that international perspective as well to the conversation. Um, I would love to hear from um, Emily and Lydia um, next. Emily, what do you think? Um, I found that entering a master's program was really um, advantageous for me because my research interests changed in between undergrad and my master's program. And I had applied for PhD programs um, in my senior year of undergrad and I like did not get accepted. So being in a master's program, I had the space to explore my new research interests and I wasn't like locked into a PhD program where I would have um, been not able to have the support um, of like my new research interests and developing that um, those skills and competencies and clinically as well. So I think that if you really aren't 100% sure about your research interests, then it really is a huge advantage to go into a master's program um, where you will have more support. And I also developed like a lot more research skills and I was able to um, complete my thesis, which took time off of my PhD and really has allowed me and my PhD to focus on different research projects and um, my clinical work in other classes as well. Fantastic. Yeah. And um, yeah, th there is there are cases where you can build off of your master's thesis and take that into the next level for your dissertation as well. So definitely building up those research skills and interest or pivoting to different areas. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing that, Emily. Lydia, what, what is your take on on the advantages of a master's degree? I totally agree with Emily. I really resonated with a lot that she said. Um, I do think a master's degree is really advantageous for first helping you develop your research interests and kind of understand what's out there more and also developing maybe some of the methods and the skills you might need to actually test and carry out the research projects you're interested in. And I found that that helped me tremendously once I actually started my PhD that I already kind of had an idea and a better knowledge of what I wanted my trajectory to look like, what kinds of research projects I wanted to complete. And I was able to actually get some transfer credit from my master's program that allowed me to 
skip some of the more general classes and like dive straight into maybe more advanced classes that were more specific to what my goals were. So I was really grateful for, you know, that kind of quick, yeah, what a good <laughs> advantage. Know, yeah. uh, that advantage. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention is for me, I work in a pretty collaborative and internationally collaborative field um, in behavioral genetics, a lot of genetic data sets. We do need to collect sometimes like a quarter of a million um, people. And so it is like a really big national and international effort. And I've found that one really great advantage from my master's program was I was able to make some of those international connections that I've now carried forward into my research and um, have been able to start some collaborations that way. Fantastic. Um, I, um, yeah, I mean, I resonate with a lot of these, um, but it's very interesting to hear about the international collaborations happening in the behavioral genetics um, field um, that indeed can be life-changing for your career if you're in a master's program and you get to build all those international uh, relationships yeah uh, okay um to move on i would love to um hear from clara on this uh, if you have anything that our colleagues haven't already mentioned any other thoughts I might just add possibly a strategic, um, another strategic point that just complements all the great advice that's already been given here. Um, if you do research or if your interests lie very much at, at the intersection of different fields, so for me it would be psychology and neuroscience, I have an undergrad in psychology and now my PhD officially is in psychology, although the research really is more neuropsychology, having a master's that has the behavioral neuroscience stamp on it, and that just has that in the title, is just really valuable in terms of keeping my CV a bit more broad and, and to keep my career options open as well. So technically, I've done kind of intersectional research like that for years now, but to, to have that you know black and white on on my cv is great as well just just thinking about those things so if that applies to you it might not apply to everyone but in my case it has been really helpful to be able to say hey i have like more of a neurosciencey background as well yeah fantastic yeah diversifying your your field of study a little bit uh, through that masters that's awesome uh thank you clara um, I want to uh, take us to the flip side um, of this coin here and ask what are the potential uh, drawbacks or challenges associated with completing a master's degree before starting a PhD? Um, and if uh, at all, how can we address or mitigate these challenges? Um, I'm gonna, uh, I would like to hear from Hillary first on this one. Um, before I get into all my cynical drawbacks of uh, of doing a master's before a PhD, I will like call out the hypocrisy that I did the master's before going into my PhD um, and have benefited from a lot of the um, explicit advantages that Clara and Lydia and Emily just named. So um, this is cynicism from being thinking about the recent uh, drawbacks of having spent time in a master's program um, directly, in my case, directly before starting a PhD. So, um, well, Lydia said you were able to transfer some of your credits um, and like skip forward and have um, additional, more advanced coursework in your PhD. I found that there was a bit of redundancy of coursework, um, especially because I was coming from um, technically two different disciplines, although Clara, much like you, like I was really doing the work right in between or overlapping in social work and public health the whole time because they're, they are in different accrediting bodies in the United States. They each require kind of some overlapping coursework in order to meet all of the criteria. Um, time and money in the US are really some of the biggest costs. Um, I had a, a career before coming back to academia for a master's degree. And not only was it really hard to um, give up a, a paycheck and paid time off and retirement benefits and health insurance, like dental insurance, all of those benefits, but um, 
burn through savings really quickly and um, the self-funded nature of spending a lot of time um, either working for pay and also applying to grants and fellowships um, has eaten up a huge time, uh, like a huge chunk of um, both master's and graduate time. Um, so time and money are absolutely considerations. Um, the the master's degree that I did wasn't explicitly a research degree. And so it, while it was geared towards um, practitioners and, and folks looking to practice, it, it took a little extra effort on my end to like parse out and um, tell everyone that I was there to learn research skills. And my only goal in the master's program was really to better qualify myself to apply to PhD programs. Um, so that was a lot of self-directed effort, whereas the PhD program is directly and explicitly only training you how to do research. Um, the flip side of a PhD is you don't get a lot of non-research skills out of it. Um, and then finally, the the last two downsides that feel really resonant for me lately is socially moving across the country multiple times um, for, for different degree programs to different universities to new states. Um, it's socially really hard. I made a lot of great friends in my master's program, and then I didn't get into the PhD, the PhD program at that same school. So I had to say goodbye to friends and colleagues and, and partners. Um, and, and then like the long-term student status, this is now technically year six of consecutive grad school for me. Um, I just started 22nd grade, if we're counting. And while I am at the the most advanced point in my research career right now, um, there is something challenging about feeling like a perpetual student and feeling uh, at, at once trying to have peer relationships with faculty and colleagues and fellow researchers, but also the, the student status for so long is one way to do adulthood. So while I have benefited from a master's program before a PhD, it, it's also hard and it's a lot of time and a lot of effort. Um, and there are a lot of aspects to consider of how it'll impact your whole life, not just your professional life. I, I see a lot of nods and a lot of smiles from the group. So I think we can all relate to that, you know, 22nd grade <laughs> feeling. Um, and also, I, I as uh, someone who completed a master's in family therapy, I totally relate to um, your experience of like being trained in clinical practice, but not in research so much uh, during your master's and then kind of trying self-directed to um, uh, do more research with the intention of uh, getting into a PhD program uh, can definitely resonate there with you, Hilary. Thank you. Um, uh, Spatika, um, what do you think uh, about the, um, the drawbacks and challenges of a master's program? Yeah, thanks a lot, Hilary. I just wanted to add a small point, uh, which I faced. Um, if you're transitioning to a master's degree, especially from a country that's in the global south, um, you might want to consider funding because it actually adds up to an insane amount uh, when you include the conversion rate. So I was actually unwilling to, to pursue the degree unless I managed to get funding from the university. So I would say that um, master's degrees are really quite expensive. And it honestly doesn't make sense for some subjects because certain subjects that are intensely uh, science-based do require a master's often. And you, you end up doing a PhD after, which means it takes longer to pay off those loans. So um, that's definitely a, a point you might want to consider before going into a degree. Absolutely. Thank you, Spatika, for bringing that to the forefront. I'm sure it's on the mind of many of our listeners, perhaps, um, how to secure funding and um, the challenge of securing funding uh, to, to get a master's degree before a PhD. Um, so uh, next, uh, I would like to um, ask all of you um, what is the choice of master's program and the research focus during that time impact the subsequent PhD journey? And what strategies did you use to align these two stages effectively? Um, 
this will be very much based on our lived experience. So I'm very curious to hear from, um, I'm gonna hear from Emily first. Um, so getting into a master's program that was research oriented was obviously very important because I needed to develop more research skills. And that was something that as soon as I got into my master's program, I met with my advisor and I was like, this is my goal. Like I need to develop these research skills and um, I will be completing my thesis and I will be completing it on time. I will be getting it done by the end of my two years. I'm not going to be spending longer than two years here because I am going to be going into a PhD program and having those conversations and setting those expectations at the beginning, um, I think is very important um, if you have like a direct research advisor, because at least for other people in my program, there wasn't necessarily as big of a push for research productivity and developing the research skills because there wasn't as much certainty about their path going forward. Um, or support from their advisors. So I think that sometimes in master's programs, you might have to be a little bit more self-directed, especially if there's a PhD program there as well, because I think that PhD students get a little bit more attention or focus, partly because they're funded um, as compared to master's students a lot of times, I think. Um, but the two years goes by really quickly, especially if you're applying for PhD programs the second year. So you have to like get work done in the first year so that your CV is like quote unquote good enough for your application in the second year. So that was something that I was very conscientious of. And um, again, like I said, my research interest shifted from when I originally applied and the lab that I was working in in my master's program didn't have like it wasn't the lab it wasn't aligned with my like quote-unquote new research interest that I was able to do research using an archival data set and that had variables related to my research interest so if you have like a similar experience just trying to find ways to like make it work and get the skills that you think are important to your PhD application and I mentioned it before, but really building relationships with multiple faculty members to get strong letters of recommendation. It's sometimes hard when you only work with one faculty member for your research, but taking classes with multiple, like with the same professor multiple times and collaborating across labs and uh, just going the extra mile to make sure that you have those strong relationships, especially if you had letter writers from undergrad, they that are just are not going to like maintain your relationship with if you don't plan on it. So just some things to keep in mind. Yeah, um, you're um, saying so many things I wish I knew before I started my master's program <laughs> uh, right now, Emily. So thank you for that. Um, I, I would love to hear from um, uh, Clara and Maria next. Uh, Clara, what, what is your take on this question? Um, yeah, I, I really resonated with uh, what Emily said around making it really clear to your advisors or supervisors if you do have them on your master's um, what your ultimate goal is because that I ended up doing the same and, and in that way my, my master's then had a huge impact on what I'm doing for my PhD right now. Um, because similarly, I kind of in my very first meeting during the second week of the master's when I knew what my project was going to be. So mine was a taught master's, but with a really hefty research component, considering that it was a taught, taught master's. So it had the best of both worlds. Um, and I said to my advisors, you know, like, this is what I'm really interested in. Like, I want to do this for my PhD and this is why I picked this master's research topic and this is how I see it possibly fitting in. So I, you know, you just have to be quite brave. And, and I think there's, um, you know, all of these unwritten rules in academia to some extent. And I think Sophia and I, we had a brief 
um, chat about that, the hidden curriculum and and just knowing you're allowed to say to your advisors, this is what I want to do, please support me. And if I hadn't done that, because then my supervisors, they were fantastic. And they said, actually, there's a funding call. It closes in four weeks. We can apply for it now. Do you want to do it? Think about it. Let me know tomorrow. Um, and that's how I secured the funding, essentially through applying wow. within the first month of my master's. So it's just to just say that again and just encourage everyone, if you do know what you're looking for, um, to go for it. But I can really say that I've been very strategic about it. It was a lot of luck. Like for us, the the thesis topics and the projects, they were advertised. And then um, I think it was 10 of us on the master's. And I think probably five of us wanted the project that I that I ended up getting so I can't claim too much strategic oversight it was a lot of luck and then being brave enough to say this is what I want to do and now I build directly on that in my PhD so I'm, I'm working with the same supervisors I'm collaborating with the same hospital I'm working with the same patient population so it's it now has a huge impact and I'm just building on that yeah um, I, I love this theme of being proactive that's uh, <laughs> being shared in this conversation today. I, hopefully it comes across to our listeners. Um, Maria, what, is, uh, what are your thoughts on this? I think Emily and Clara really did a really good job and I'm just going to add on to them. So definitely, if you know you want to do a PhD, picking your master's program is important, whether research focused, um, especially if you want to go to a master's as a springboard, like to get more research experience, you definitely want a master's with a research um, focus. In my case, I did not go for that because I was still like, let me figure out if I want to do strongly academia versus um, industry work. So my program was more clinical work. So I came from clinical psychology and then I switched over to social psychology for my PhD. Um, but that required, kind of like Clara was saying, required me reaching out to my advisors. And I reached out to multiple professors. So I was connecting with different professors, seeing what projects they were on, seeing what I can do to make sure on my free time that I was spending it doing research. So outside of like my internship and practicum, which was already 20 hours a week, I was organizing myself to do more research, to make sure I'm building up my CV. And Emily described this perfectly. If you're doing a two-year program and I did a four plus two at Holy Family, um, meaning I really only had one year to really build up my CV before I start applying in the beginning of my second year, mm -hmm. you have to make sure you have the time management skills that you're building up the letters of recommendations, um, your connection with the faculty members, and again, you're putting this time aside to do that research that's really important. And a little bit of it is advocating for yourself, being like, this is really what I want to do. And usually you have great mentors, and I did, that would help you. And if you know anyone in PhD programs, they can actually help you to connect too. So maybe older um, graduate students can be like, oh, let me talk to my supervisor or uh, advisor and see what I can do. And that has helped me a lot, at least in my case. Mm, wonderful idea about reaching out to current PhD students and getting their tips and tricks on uh, hopefully we're doing this today with this conversation. <laughs> um, thank you, Maria. I, uh, I would love to hear Taylor's thoughts on this. Yeah, um, so to set the context for my background, I did a four plus one master's, so four years of undergrad where my last year was split taking graduate courses and then additional year tacked on to finish my master's degree. And I did a thesis-based master's program as well. So I was involved in research the whole time. And I chose to continue with that program and apply in my junior year to the four plus one because I knew I had good research experience, but applying to PhD programs in some fields, like a lot of other fields are really highly competitive. And I wanted to give myself a little bit of an extra edge with having more research experience. And I think it's really nice when you can find synergy between your like master's program and your PhD program where there is overlap in the classes and you can kind of put yourself ahead a little bit. I didn't do that. Um, I was in fields that are like adjacent to each other. So not everything overlapped and transferred and that's totally fine. I kind of picked up any of the skills that I was lacking from being in an adjacent field in my first year of my PhD. Um, I think also picking a research focus 
it doesn't have to be what you carry on with. I, several people have, and I think that's really great that you've gotten to build off of your master's experience. I'm in a completely different research field. Um, I was still doing like human biological-based research, um, things that impacted human health in my master's and my undergrad, but now I'm in working on something totally different. And I don't feel behind at all. So even if you feel like you found something that you were really passionate about and you wanted to continue it through your master's, which is part of the reason I chose to stay, I really liked the research I was doing and I wanted to see it through, you shouldn't let that impact your PhD journey and feel like you'll be behind if it's not exactly the same. You'll end up in the same place as everyone else. So I always say like, find the one thing that you're passionate about and see it through and just go for it because you having the passion and drive through the rest of this program is what's going to take you through it not like what your background is yeah thank you for sharing that taylor um it is sometimes it's hard to pinpoint like what is exactly our interest or uh where would how do we envision our careers to be and and sometimes pivoting is just the best thing you can do um for yourself thank you for sharing that um i want to move on to our uh, next question um and that is um, can you all share your personal experiences or insights into how a master's degree has influenced your academic and research development as a PhD student? Um, and I'm going to go to Hillary first for her thoughts. Um, so to give some background, I, I actually didn't apply to any master's programs. Um, I, uh, like I mentioned, I was working in um, a career that's pretty unrelated to what I do now um, after undergrad. I was working for four years. And after that time, I had really was refining my thoughts and had applied to PhD programs from the workforce. Um, so like somebody mentioned, it had been multiple years since I had touch with undergraduate um, research connections. Um, and the the little bits of publishing I had done were, were pretty old at that point. Um, and that first year that I applied to programs from a full-time job, um, I applied to 12 PhD programs and one of them had a master's wow. affiliate. Um, I didn't get into, I got into zero PhD program, like absolutely none. Um, and the one program that had an affiliated master's um, was like, well, no, but do you want to pay us to come here? Um, and at that juncture in my life for a lot of complicated reasons and a, a much longer story. Um, I decided that if I genuinely wanted to pursue a research career that I wasn't going to get in with the um, industry resume that I had going at the time, um, which is fine. That was the the context of where I was. Um, so I, I started that master's degree with the context that I'm just doing this to get into the PhD program that I want to do. Um, and I'm glad for the master's program that I ended up with. And I don't know that it's exactly the one I would have chosen if I had intentionally applied to master's degrees. Um, one of the benefits of being in that master's program while I was there day one, actually even before day one, um, Emily, you had mentioned like reaching out to lots of faculty members um, and Clara, you mentioned as well, even before your program started to say, hi, I'm starting this program with the intention of applying on this timeframe. Um, I'm hoping to build these specific research pro skills in between now and when I apply essentially one year from now. Um, and finding, because the, the master's program I went to had an affiliated PhD program, I it was possible for me to discern who were the research faculty and who were the clinical faculty um, in that school. Um, and I went in with a pretty clear research goal from the PhD applications that I had worked on that ultimately weren't successful. Um, and I intentionally sought out multiple faculty in the, the first year of my master's program with whom I could re be a research assistant RA um, to get kind of a breadth of the different um, 
topic areas, populations, and methods that I was hoping to apply. Um, and through the process of working with multiple faculty, each of whom had wildly different um, like management styles, they all work really differently. Um, some are self-proclaimed chaos Muppets, some are very orderly um, and have very like clear um, laid out management techniques. Um, so, so having done some experience in lots of different categories, Taylor, like you mentioned, I was able to discern which pieces of it I wanted to keep going with and which pieces I was like, oh, great to know this method, methodology exists, cool to know how to use it. That's not, that's not for me. I'm not going to continue pursuing um, that method in my doctoral research. So um, I, I used the short time in my master's program to refine my scope, to refine my methods, to really clarify which population I was interested in working with. Um, and then my subsequent PhD uh, applications were a lot tighter, a lot more specific. I was able to draw from a lot more examples of recent, like current work that I was doing. Um, and I, I pivoted a little bit which disciplines I was applying to, having seen the master's discipline that I was sitting in. Thank you, uh, Hilary. I can see um, <laughs> several of us can relate to this journey, and I'm glad you pointed out that it wasn't really a straight line. Um, it was a lot of ups and downs and disappointments and rejections and, um, yeah, all of the things that um, can happen here. Um, I see people are commenting here on our Zoom chat about their um, rejections and acceptances and all the ups and downs of the application process, which we probably should have another podcast about, probably. <laughs> um, all right. Um, I would love to hear from, um, let's see, um, I would love to hear from, um, um, Spatika, you had some thoughts on this? Yeah, um, my story is very, very similar, and mm -hmm. I actually am quite surprised that so many people in this chat have had this experience. Um, I actually did an integrated bachelor's and master's in India, so it was like a one-shot undergraduate degree, but then I only applied to PhD programs abroad, and Oxford had this one plus three program that somebody here has already spoken about. And um, they had a system where they accepted some students onto the first year, uh, which was the MSc. And I got funding for that year. And that's sort of how I ended up there. Um, so it doesn't actually seem like I, I went searching for the second master's, but it, it was definitely um, really, really good in terms of my academic and research development. Um, I mean, it you really need a broader knowledge base and the maturity to start a PhD, learning how to write a proposal and how to hone into your interests as well as what your skill set will allow you. And honestly, because neuroscience is such an expanding field, um, yeah, the current state of undergrad degrees isn't always um, enough for you to go ahead with it. So I, I thought it was a, a great experience, even though it was a strange way to enter the master's. Yeah, thank you, Swatika, for sharing that. Uh, Lydia, did you have some thoughts on this? Yeah, I do. I do think I should say that I think my master's program was probably the only reason I got accepted into my PhD program, oh, wow. uh, to be honest, because it was quite competitive. And mm. some of the other uh, candidates that were accepted, they had like three to five years of research um, assistantship mm -hmm. experience. Um, and because the field I was going into, or I am in now, is kind of niche. It was hard to find research assistantships um, that had access either to both genetic and behavioral data or twin data. Um, so the master's program, I do really think, kind of gave me that advantage. I'm really happy <laughs> that I was able to get into my PhD because of it. Um, and I do think that it set me up to be a little bit more productive with my research output, which I am um, really happy about because it's just, it's been able to kind of expedite the process a little bit more. And I've been able to focus on the science communication piece and attend more conferences and present more, but not just because I was able to kind of have a little bit of a step up with the master's degree, which I do think is influenced 
how my academic career is developing um because I've just been able to go to more conferences and to hear more ideas and then be able to integrate that back into my own research wonderful yeah um it all kind of um scaffolded yeah one experience after the other you you kept building on onto it and what a difference your master's um, program made to your PhD acceptance that's wonderful um all right I'm going to move on to our next question um and um, this one is a, a kind of an international one um in some countries it's common to transition directly from a bachelor's degree to a PhD program I I think as a couple of you talked about this already what factors should our listeners consider when deciding whether to pursue a master's degree first, especially in regions where this is less common. And I would love to hear from Taylor. Yes. Yeah, so I think not only is the US a region where this is less common, but STEM fields in general, this tends to be less common to do a master's first and then transition to a PhD. So for example, in my cohort of 19 people who entered into my program, I am the only one with a master's degree who then transitioned into PhD. And some people had um, industry experience before that or post-bac experience, but no other people just went right from undergrad into the PhD. Um, so I think it's considering a couple of things. For me, I was coming from an undergrad that was a good school, but wasn't an R1 school. And I was going to be applying to a lot of R1 research schools. And those tend to have really competitive programs. A lot of people who go to them have come from these bigger research institutions. Mm -hmm. And I knew for me that I may need to bump what was on my CV a little bit more to catch the attention of those admissions committees. I think my master's thesis really allowed me to be able to do that as well as the additional research that I put out during that time, additional publications, conference attendances, and those sorts of things looked really good. Um, I think you can also think about it from the standpoint of, am I ready to go into a PhD? A PhD is a really long commitment. Some programs, it's five to six years. And so you have to figure out if you're ready to commit the next five to six years of your life, whereas a master's degree, you could commit one to two years of your life to it and figure out if it's what you really want. I knew I wanted to pursue a PhD, so tacking on an extra year and making it six or seven years in graduate school didn't seem like it was going to make that much of a difference, but I do think it's something to consider, especially like where you're at in life, what you want your life to look like, how fast you want to get to certain other markers in your personal life. So um, if you don't think you're necessarily ready to make that full five to six year commitment, maybe a master's program is the perfect place for you to be. Thank you, Taylor. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, with you there are so many options and it makes sense to kind of explore what what makes sense for your life journey as opposed to what other people are doing also um, Lydia do you have some thoughts on this not sure if I have too too uh, much to add I mean I, I did have kind of the unique experience of doing the international uh, master's for a year and then coming to do uh PhD back in the U.S. And I think it has been mentioned before, but in the U.S. oftentimes your master's can be built into the PhD program. Um, so it's a little bit, can be a little bit redundant, whereas in the U.K. and in Europe, you can do that one-year program and then do a three-year dissertation and PhD. Um, so I do think it really depends on your individual journey. And like I'd mentioned before, there was advantages to the master's program I chose for my field specifically, but it might not be like the best journey for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, uh, this takes us to uh, my final question for you all. Um, are there any funding considerations? And I know we talked about some already, uh, but are there any others that students should be aware of when planning to complete a master's degree before pursuing a PhD? Um, and uh, what are your ideas on how students can navigate funding options during this period? Um, I would love to hear from Maria on this. Um, so for me, at least when I um, entered the master's program, it made me an independent student, meaning I now um, it was all on me on the financial aid and all those loans and everything. So that also meant that 
there's less scholarships when you enter a master's program as compared to an undergrad program. So you're probably, if you need financial aid, you're probably gonna use loans a little bit more. And I think this was already touched based earlier um, that when you're you know, getting a master's and then you get a PhD, your loans are also still there and it's gonna take you longer to pay them off. So that's something to consider. However, what I found is there are a lot of options for graduate grants and scholarships that you can apply to, especially name scholarships. Um, definitely check out with your program because I know during the summer between my first and second year of my master's program, I actually was able to get a name scholarship through the school just for my grades, let's say. So it definitely, reaching out to your advisors or program director or the financial aid at your program would help in that sense. There's also organizations, depending if you have a membership with them. So like SciKai does give out grants. Um, I believe they have like three deadlines within one year and they give out a couple. So that would be a great option for people who want like traveling um, money for conferences or just need help buying books or uh, paying tuition. Um, but it really does depend on you. And then it depends on the program. So again, I come from a counseling psychology master's program and sometimes they require practicum and internship. That's 20 hours and unpaid. So then work flexibility also has to be added into this. So if 20 hours of my week is to working really, but unpaid, I still have to work another job that's very flexible, allows me to do that and be able to, again, live off of that. Um, what I'm getting paid and pay for my books and all this stuff. So that, that is something to consider, but there are other options to definitely look into. And there are a lot of flexible jobs for me. I got a job through the university that really helped me. Um, so maybe sometimes that there is tuition permission in that sense. If not, they are definitely understanding your situation because it's within your program. Wonderful. Thank you, Maria, for sharing all this pros of wisdom here. Um, as, an inter as a former international graduate student, I would like to add that um, uh, not all scholarships and all opportunities for grants are posted on a website. Sometimes you have to go uh, to somebody's office and like tell them, I really need some help um, here. I would love to continue this degree, but I need some financial support. Can we make anything happen? And um, you'll be surprised how money gets moved around different departments and colleges and universities. Um, and sometimes you might get um, a blessing when you don't really expect it or it's not posted officially anywhere. Um, this has happened to me. Um, and also, I also encourage my students and the listeners uh, of this podcast to um, look at all their intersectionality, like what demographic groups they belong to, um, and uh, look for scholarships based on their demographics. Sometimes, um, you know, you might not find something specifically for your field, but you might find something because you identify as a woman, for example, right? So um, I always encourage students to um, check all the different demographic categories they belong to and what scholarships are out there for them. Um, okay, um, do we have any? Oh, Lydia, do you want to share th something? Yeah, I did want to just share quickly. Um, I, it's more typical, I think, for PhD students to be able to do teaching assistantships, but mm. more and more, because there are is like a shortage of TAs, they are more and more like offering that for master's students as a way to fund their master's degree. Um, they teach 10 to 20 hours a week. Um, and I'm not sure if those are always publicly advertised, so that also might be worth emailing and seeing if that could be an option. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. And Taylor, had some thoughts? Yeah, um, I would just like to add that there are some organizations too that you can apply for that are outside of schools that may give you funding for your master's, but you can also transition some of that funding to your PhD mm -hmm. if you have it left over. So the NSF GRFP is one of those programs where you have three full years of tenure on it where they will fully pay your stipend out and pay for your tuition. Um, and so if you do not use all three years in your master's, you are actually allowed to transfer it. So I had mine and I transferred it from Loyola to Penn and it was very seamless. It was really easy and it's definitely worth applying to those programs that have maybe more than just the amount of time that you need for your master's worth of funding because a lot of them will allow you to transfer them as well as of course reaching out to your school and whoever your program advisor is 
because they're the people who know where money is at that university and they're pretty much always willing to help. They know that master's degrees are money makers for universities, but not everyone has the capital to pursue it in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, Taylor. So there you have it, folks. A big thank you to our fantastic panelists for sharing their insights on doing a master's before a PhD. Um, your wisdom and your experiences, I hope they have shed light on this important educational journey. To our listeners, we hope you found today's discussion both enlightening and inspiring. If you're hungry for more engaging conversations and expert advice on higher education, be sure to check out the rest of the Short Talks podcast episodes on Spotify and other podcast platforms. We have a lot of information there waiting for you. At Project Short, we believe in the power of mentorship and the importance of representation in education. If you're interested in becoming a part of our mission or seeking guidance for your educational dreams, um, visit our website at www.project-short.org. Thank you for joining us today. And until next time, keep reaching for those academic stars. This is Dr. Sofia Georgiadu signing off for Project Short. Thanks for listening to this episode of Short Talks. If you'd like to learn more about applying to grad school, you can find additional resources on the Project Short website. Hope to see you again shortly.